Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. As we get going here, let me give you a heads up on a few things kind of going on. Just so you know, if this is your uh, first time here, kind of what we do is let you know uh, what's happening here at church. Uh, And then um, we're going to jump into little small groups here, have a little dialogue, get to know each other, kind of get the brain warmed up, and then we'll jump in. And we're opening up today, if you have your Bibles uh, or if it's on your phone, uh, Acts chapter 3 is we're going to be looking at uh, Acts 3 today. So if you want to get that prepped, that's where we'll be today. And then we'll wrap up with some worship. And as always, we have communion here to remember um, the death and the resurrection today of Jesus. And that's very important. So uh, let me tell you what's going on right now with the, um, the, uh, the Mexico trip where we're going to head down to Tijuana and the orphanage down there. Uh, we're going to be hanging out with the little kids, playing some games. Uh, thank you guys for your generos- generosity in a couple ways. One is we got people bringing like kids games to us, so we'll be taking that down. So uh, thank you for donating there, some cool games. The other thing is we found out that um, they wanted to make sure that all the kids were tested, just make sure we're safe for COVID, but they didn't have the money. So as a church, we were able to transfer them the money, uh, 500 bucks. So thank you for your generosity. Uh, we made that decision on your behalf. We figured you guys would be like, yeah? No down votes on that. You guys are cool with that. So they were super stoked. And so they're getting the kids uh, tested quickly. Just to make sure, again, just make sure everyone's safe. Uh, we got almost a full team. I think we only have one or two spots left. If you're planning on going, you might want to sign up quickly. We do got to cap that. Uh, we already have several of us signed up. So just a heads up, probably needs to happen. That's in uh, two weeks from this weekend. So uh, just a heads up on that. Also, uh, October 31st is on a Sunday. So I know we're going to be uh, having fun that night. I don't know if you know this about our church, though. Is we like to party it up a little bit. So we are going to have a fall festival that day. We are all dressing up kids and adults. Don't be lame. Don't be, that's our purpose statement for our church. Don't be lame. All right. Dress up. Have some fun. Our family, we already got some Harry Potter-themed stuff going on, so we're going for it. Uh, and so just have some fun. And then we're going to be celebrating our church. We'll have some food, and we'll have all kinds of games. Here's what we do need, though, is we'd like to have six or seven tables that are themed so we can start doing prepping the kids for trick-or-treating, get, having some candy, things like that. If you like to sponsor a table, you like organizing something, having fun, we are looking for people that like to organize something and have fun. So if you like to have a, a table theme, uh, Abilene, uh, where were some just random themes? I know you told me and I, I forgot. Just You're doing a Charlie Brown, so no one else does Charlie Brown. Toy Story, Harry Potter. Yeah, Venom. Let's stay away from Venom. Yeah, for a small kid. <laughs> okay, awesome. So if you'd like to do that, um, we would love your help. And again, if you have that gift of organizing and actually getting stuff done, we would love for you to sponsor table and get a group. You can get, uh, by the way, you can get your connection group if you're one. You can force them into it. Or others of you that like to organize, force your family, your kids into it, whatever it is. But we like a group of people to, to sponsor that. I, I see confusion here. Yeah, we're bringing in fresh hay, right? Hay bales. Yeah, we're going big. Are we bringing in a, a tractor or no? No, can't afford the tractor. We're not doing the tractor. Cows. 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 So if you want to donate a cow, a tractor, anything like that, we'd appreciate it. Um, so yeah, but we have a lot of things going on that day. Oh, we'll have um, costume contest for the kids. 
of a, maybe for adults too, we'll see. Should we do adults too? All right, we'll do adult, we'll do it right now. We just made an executive decision. We're gonna do that. Um, we're gonna have a little picture booth. So if you wanna take a cute family picture or something like that. My family's dying, they're, they're just dying. Oh no, did I say something bad already? When I make up words, my wife starts laughing. Did I make up a word? Fresh hay. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> just so you know, um, my wife's favorite service is not like whatever. It's, it's just her laughing at me is her favorite service. So if you see her busting up, she's having a good time. Fresh hay rather than dead hay. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a long service. This is gonna, I need to move on. So we have a fall festival. There you go. Okay. I'm done with announcements. Uh, this last week, we shared uh, testimonies in connection group. If you're not in a connection group, it's just so powerful to hear each other's stories, uh, to not only invest in others, but have others invest in you. And so we're really, really enjoying it. Um, we're going to run this until the first week of November. We'll take a break. I encourage you when we start again, uh, just to get in one. Um, it's indispensable, I think, for our faith and just for our, uh, not just our maturity, but our sustainability and our faith in our life. And so we're having a great time. We share testimonies. Savvy shared hers. And I just thought it'd be great just to, and especially we sang about it already today that uh, we have a testimony and people need to hear it. And so I just, I think it's going to encourage us today. And it reminds us, here's what I'm seeing from the testimonies, how God's reach goes beyond what you think. He reaches people in the craziest places with the craziest mindsets and just these weird, it's like, you can't stop God. And I think we have to be reminded of that because we tend to put them in a box. And so, Savvy, we'd just love to hear um, mm -hmm. your story. I know it's a snippet, yeah. but it is your testimony, so go for it. Okay. Um, I grew up attending a church that had really backwards doctrine. And then I also grew up in a home that um, I was constantly told that I was the problem, that I was the reason for all the fights in the home. And the church condoned all the abuse that happened behind closed doors. And um, so growing up, I was constantly looking for this acceptance and this place to just belong. And um, when I was 17, I got left behind on a family vacation and I stayed with this really amazing family friend. And on her wall was this note from her mom. And she wrote this note to her daughter from the perspective of the Holy Spirit. And I just remember sitting there reading it going, wow, he has a plan for her. There's nothing she can do that's going to make God leave her. And I was like, I want to know that Jesus, not the Jesus that I have met in church. And um, I remember sitting on her bed and going, like, this is it. Like, Jesus, I'm, I'm done. You can have my life. And instantly I felt something leave my body. And I was exhausted. I was, I just felt like I'd been run over by a truck. And I was in college at the time, and the closest church I could get to not having a license <laughs> was called Campus Christian Fellowship. And I went, and we started singing praise and worship songs, and there was this sermon. I couldn't even tell you what it was about, but there was this light that came back into me, and I felt warm, and I just changed. And it's something that hasn't I just haven't forgotten. Um, I think there's one thing that's really unique to my story is that I got to know Jesus through Christmas songs. 
because I could go from church to church and the doctrine would be completely different and they would have different beliefs on women in the church and different beliefs on spiritual gifts and like all these things. But Christmas songs were the same Jesus. Every church Every single yeah. song, every single church. Um, and so music has been like a super important part of my life. I grew up on worship team. Um, everybody in church grew up playing and singing. And there are all these... They praised people by writing songs about them. So that was always like, oh my gosh, like I want that. And it never happened, okay? I want my own song. I want my own song. But as I started studying scripture, like for myself and like reading all these passages that nobody ever talked about, there was this verse in Zephaniah 3.17 that says, the Lord takes delight in you and rejoices over you with singing. And it was just exactly... Like, it was written for me. I know it wasn't. Yeah. I know it's Old Testament. It wasn't written for yeah. me, but... God, that was God speaking to yeah. you. And did you get a, a tattoo to come out behind you? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's, it says, wanted across the top. It has Zephaniah on the 317 on the bottom, and it has this rose, because um, roses have just been a thing with me and Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Give me a hug. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. That was beautiful. Can you imagine a mom writing a note thinking it's for her daughter? But Jesus knew that he needed to get savvy out of a dysfunctional environment. And even years and years of abuse, and, and she, she doesn't like using this term. I know her story. She grew up in a cult, flat out cult. And Jesus plucks people out of cults. And the mom could have never known. But listening to God, listening to the Holy Spirit, write this for your daughter, not knowing there'd be another girl sitting on the bed. And those were the exact words she needed. The Holy Spirit, um, we're in the book of Acts, which is the Acts, just so you know, the beginning of the church and how it started and how it grew. But remember, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit working in and through people. That's what it's about. The Gospels are about Jesus. The book of Acts is about the spirit of Jesus, which he says he gives to all who follow him, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a force. Not something like, you know, you don't hear. The Holy Spirit is a person, just like Jesus and just like God the Father. The Bible says that. Can't fully understand it, but I also don't fully understand how an engine works, but I still get in a car and drive it, all right? <laughs> So it's one of those things of, yeah, I can't fully understand it. So we're reading about that as a church. We're desiring the Holy Spirit to work through our church in the way that he did back then. And so we can learn from that. The thesis for today before we jump into Acts 3 is this. The Holy Spirit wants to fully display both the love and the power of God primarily through his church. We got to get this. This is our responsibility. This is our, our, our perspective. Why do we gather? Why do we go do things? So that the Holy Spirit, his desire, just so you know, he has a goal. Every day the Holy Spirit wants to display, not you, but wants to display Jesus, the power and the love of God through his church. I believe today is important because primarily for our church, I'm called the pastor of this church, not other churches, I think we think a lot about the love of God, but I think many of us are scared and dismiss the power of God. And that's why sometimes our impact in this world is a little anemic. It's a little weak. Why? Because we're only using one aspect. 
The power and the love of God work together. I want to encourage you with this. We see this on the cross. The cross is beautiful. We're going to take communion where you get to think about the love of God, but also remember that he rose again. So we don't worship someone dead. That's super important, right? Jesus rose again. The love of God was in display on the cross, the power of God through the resurrection, and both are needed because if he loves me, but he's powerless, he's not a God. He's another man or woman. We see this in Psalm 62, which was prophesied when it was written hundreds of years before, where the author wrote this, one thing God has spoken and two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, not to government, not to education, not to someone who lifts a lot of weights, not to someone who's the smartest in the room. Uh -uh. Power belongs to God and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. That's what makes him unique. This is the hope. This is the gospel. You see, Power without love is very important also because power can be abused without love. And what God wants you to know is he's incredibly powerful, but he loves you, so he's not abusive. And who doesn't want to be around someone incredibly powerful, but incredibly loving? Acts chapter three. We've talked about the first two chapters of the last few weeks. You can go on to um, uh, iTunes, uh, Access Church uh, sermons. You can look at that or go on YouTube. Uh, go to Access Church, type that in, hear those sermons, but we're building here. And now we're in chapter three. And remember, the first five chapters are the first year of the church. This is all within one year, the first five chapters. You'll read it in 20 minutes. It happens over a year. So we're a few months in, probably, when we hit Acts chapter three. And uh, what's happened here is we're gonna start in verse 11, and the church now is formed. In chapter two, we have truly the beginning, the birthing of a church. And now we see the continued um, working of the church and the apostles, the leaders, and what they're doing. And they're still in Jerusalem. They're not spreading at this point. So they're all becoming Christian. Remember, uh, he's going to start in Jerusalem, and then the church was going to work out. That's going to happen after chapter 5. Right now, God's kind of baking the church, getting it nice and mature and working on it before it disperses. And Peter and John are the primary leaders, and they heal a man in the temple. That's the Jewish temple. So they're actually doing ministry in a different cultural setting, in a sense, as far as not within their church. They're going outside the church to be salt and light, as Jesus asked them to do. And so they heal a man in the temple. And we pick up in verse 11. This we'll pick up in the story. Well, it says, while the man held on to Peter and John, this man, by the way, the, the Bible says was crippled from birth. So his whole life he'd been begging, but he'd been begging people. You see what happens, they put beggars uh, right at different entrances of the temple and their lot in life was pretty much for you to, to kind of pay your alms or to pay your respect to God as you would give to the people that were poor. That's what you do. You go to the temple, you see them and you're expected to give money. But this man was receiving from people, but he didn't realize he needed to receive from God. And so they healed him. In fact, when Peter healed him, he goes, listen, I don't have a lot of money, which I'm sure the guy was like, oh, move along, right? But he goes, I actually have something better for you. And he healed him. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? I mean, if someone came here today and, and they, they, they couldn't walk or they, and, and we did a, 
a healing. We just laid hands and, and we didn't do it. And I, depending on what church you grew up in, sometimes we try to build it up, right? We, we, we try to make sure it's not just God, it's us. I don't know if you've ever been in part of those churches that they pray for like 30 minutes. And then, and then it's got to get louder and louder and louder and we got to do all kinds of things. Peter didn't do that. He just touched us and said, stand up, bro. Stand up. It's not going to be by my words, by me coming up with some formula, by you got to do it this way. He's like, bro, stand up. Peter did it out of faith. Dude stood up. How many of us would be surprised if that happened today? Right? You'd probably be talking about that. No matter what I said the rest of the service, right? No matter what, you'd be talking about that. But many of us, if we're honest, we'd be surprised. We'd be like, whoa, I haven't seen that access before. And look at Peter's response. Why does this surprise you? Why does the power of God healing surprise you? Why? Because we really limit God. We put him in a box. He's super loving, but he's not really that strong. But here's where that's important, is many of us live an incredibly stressful life. I can see it in your eyes right now. You're like, that's me, brother. You're speaking to me, right? You got bills. You got relationship issues. Maybe you got kids, grandkids. Things aren't going well. Maybe you have some physical issues going on. You have all these things. Maybe for some of us, uh, we're, we're later in life and not early. Heaven's looking a little more real, where for some of us it feels so far away. And those are all scary things. Those are all actually stressful things. And if God's not powerful, you bear that stress when God's in our little box. But when we understand that God is all powerful, he's in control. And that he's loving and he's for you, not against you. And even in the struggle, he's going to sustain you and even resurrect certain things. It changes life, right? Why does it surprise you? I think many of us would be surprised. And they were surprised. They didn't have this understanding of God that he actually wants to intimately be involved and heal parts of our life. They lacked that understanding of God. When we lack understanding of God, we then try to be God in life. We try to control our kids. We try to control situations. We try to control money. We try to control our spiritual lives. I'm going to grow in this way, and this is going to happen, right? We make resolutions, right? 2021, this. 2020, what was your resolution there? I bet it wasn't to endure a pandemic. I bet nobody said that. And that's where God is not only strong, but he knows everything. He knows the future, and he'll get you through anything, right? Doesn't that change life? Why does it surprise you? Why do you stare? Here's the other thing. Why do you stare at us as if it is by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Peter's saying, don't look at me. We tend to look at people, right, that are powerful. And that's not what we should be doing. Nobody should be center stage at Access Church. Jesus is. That's why we sing about him. Sorry, Savvy, but we'll never sing a song about each other here. Laura Lee is awesome. Laura Lee. Well, that, Laura Lee, I'm sorry. Well, that might, that might happen here because we really do like you, but I'm definitely not about me, right? I mean, Jesus is always, and, and even Peter, we look at Peter and be like, well, that'd be amazing. Wouldn't that just be amazing to have that kind of power? He's like, well, you do, but we shouldn't be talking about the name of Peter. This is why in certain religions where they, they make saints and they put them up on pedestals, we don't do that. It's not about Mary or any person that died and did not resurrect here. Only Jesus did. He's the one with the power. And the beauty of that is this what gives us confidence in life when we do face death, by the way. 
because he says, if Jesus died and rose again, we will die and rise again, which means it's not all about this life, which changes the way we parent then. We're parenting for this week, this year, this school year. How about parent them for eternity and then just let them go? It changes everything when you understand the power of God. He says, it's not by us or our own godliness, which is also make sure you understand that power does not equate godliness. You could be very gifted and you could lack a lot of character. And you might think you're getting away with it. Oh my God, God's using me and I lack a lot of character. And God's like, yeah, you're blessing others, but you will not be blessed in the end. The best is to have the character with the giftedness. I also want you to know that's why at this church, we're never going to be blown away by your giftedness. Because it's a gift from God. You didn't do anything. He gave it to you. Now, character, we're called to develop. That's what impresses me. When you forgive an enemy, I'm deeply impressed. If you can pray and heal someone, I'm like, oh, good job. God did it, not you. So I just, we need to understand the fundamentals of this church here and why I don't get hyper about people or about myself or anything like that. It's a gift. Deep character, love, joy, someone at peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. I'm blown away by that kind of person. Those are rare. So Peter's like, don't look at me. He said in verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Even the people in the past that we say, man, those were the legends. No, Jesus is the legend. Even the Old Testament is about Jesus. And he says, listen, you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate. Remember, this is within a year of when Jesus was put on the cross, which means a lot of these people were around. He's talking to people that were there when Jesus died. So it's very intimate and it's very awkward right now. And he's pointing at him. And he says, though he had decided to let him go, talking about Pilate, he said, you disowned, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murder be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong, it is the name of it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that completely healed him, as you all can see. The name of Jesus is a powerful name. When we sing about Jesus to Jesus, there is power in that. But he says it's not just the name of Jesus, it's the faith. We have to believe that there's power in the name of Jesus. So why does the church lack power? I think because we don't believe. We believe in the love of God, like, oh, yeah, he, he loves me. Does he powerfully want to move in you and through you this week? Does he powerfully want to use your words to bring life to people? Does he powerfully want to use a letter that you wrote to your daughter that a friend will see that will bring her to Christ? If you don't believe, you don't relate the letter. If you don't believe, you don't speak at your work or speak at school words that bring life. You're not even praying about it. Why? Well, many of us, two things. One, we either doubt God is powerful. If we're honest, we're like, oh, he moved back in the days of the Bible. He was on fire. He killed it. And then he kind of just got tired. You know, it's, it's tough. Week in, week out being God, you know? And now he's kind of just limping along. Let's just like get to heaven kind of a thing. Let's just love people. And it's like, no, no, no. He doesn't run out of energy. Why is God not moving today like he did back then? I think he's active. I think it's us, not him. 
Now, he would go on just so you know. He would display the power of God. Remember I talked about a few weeks ago that miracles and power draw people's attention to God, but it's God's love that changes them. Both need to work together. I wonder if the reason maybe our church, where we could grow, I think we're doing a good job loving, but I think we lack drawing attention to God as far as just bringing in the power of God. I believe that's a challenge for us as a church today. And I know for some of you, are like, this scares me. <laughs> power can kind of be scary, right? I don't know if you've ever, like, driven a car that has a lot of power, that can, like, move. It, it's scary. I got in a, uh, what was John's car? Was it a Ferrari? Lamborghini. Right? I, I drive a, a Chevy Bolt, just so you know. Not really scary. Right? I don't have to pay for gas, so that's nice. It's a loving car, just not a very powerful car. It's a very loving car. There you get in it, you feel, oh, yeah, it's a cute little car, right? Not real scary. You get in a Lamborghini, before he even, t- just he started, and I'm like, <sighs> you just hear it. And he's like, you ready? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Boom. While we're going, I feel my body go into the seat, and then he's like, try to move your hand forward. I couldn't. Like, I felt paralyzed. And then I'm like, slow down. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, like, if that was enough. I, we got to zero to however fast very, very quickly. And some of us are scared of that. I don't want to get in the car. I, I don't know. Right? But here's the thing you got to know is that there's nothing more exhilarating than the love of God, but also the power of God. And it should be normal in our lives. It shouldn't be abnormal. We just got to get used to the power of God. The power of God works in many ways. I want to bring up some passages. I, 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 so today, here's what I want to do. I, I just want to set the context of getting us thinking about the power of God in our lives. I'd love for you this week to start praying and thinking about, God, how can your love and power, but how can it work together? How can I powerfully do something that you want to work through me and pray about it and let the Holy Spirit lead you? It might be healing. It might be power through your words. It might be power through, but, but really power is... In, is impacting someone or something. It's impacting. Looking to be an impact. And so today I just want to give kind of a broad understanding and then we got plenty of week in the book of Acts so we're going to look at different ways the power of God works out. Um, so here's, and I know I, I speak fast and then also I give you a lot of verses. That's where you can go back, listen on the podcast or YouTube and get these verses. So I'm sorry if it's a little quick, but I, I just look at all the ways the Bible talks about the power of God. Um, Psalm 68, 35 says this, You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. That's from Acts 1, 8, too, right? You will receive what when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? What? Power. You, you might not feel powerful, but you have Power. Some of that's that just awareness of who you're connected to and who's in you. It's, it's like uh, when I was growing up, I remember in junior high, you know there's always those one or two kids in junior high that are like seven years ahead developmentally of everybody, you know? This was one of those eighth grade boys that had like the goatee already, and we we're in awe of him. We're just like, you're a mate. Huge dude. Humongous man-child. We we're all blown away though. People make fun of him. He wouldn't do anything. I'm like, bro, you're like seven feet, all right? You're a freak. Like, why do you? And he was just big, big teddy bear. 
Well, that changed in high school. Something happened because homie found out how strong he was. Saw him fight. I think it was sophomore years, a couple years later. Saw him fight. Knocked the kid out. Because he had a reputation, but all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm a big boy. Dude was making fun of him. We were on the playground. Ooh, ah, doing that whole thing like that. Kid fronts with it. Boom, does that. And by the way, if you're a small, big guy, don't front with your chin out, right? Don't, just basic, basic self-defense. Boom. Kid went to the hospital. Because big boy found out he was powerful. <laughs> now, that might not be a great illustration for what we're doing. <laughs> but it's the only one I can think of, so... That's what you got today. But here's the thing. Many of us, incredibly strong, God is in us, and we act like that he's not. So we have no power in our lives. No power to change our kids' lives. No power to change our grandkids' lives. No power to influence our job. No power power to influence our schools. We don't display God. Well, we display God that he's just loving, but he's really weak. That's what we display to the world. And people are not only looking for someone loving, but is someone in control? Because otherwise, it's all on me. And if it's all on me, what do we do? Stress out. So when the world sees us stress out, oh, then you don't have a powerful God. Because if you're stressing like I am about my marriage, about my bills, about my, then we're in the same place. (laughs) So whatever I believe is just as powerful as what you believe. But it says here in Psalm he displays his power and strength through his people. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 through 21 says this. This is Paul's prayer to the church. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all can ask or imagine. Check out what Paul says to the church. God this week wants to do more than you can imagine. He wants to do more. It doesn't mean that it's got to be this huge event. But he wants to impact people more than you realize. And people are yearning for that. And he says that, now to him who's um, uh, able to do immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and to Christ Jesus forever. God desires more than we can imagine to display himself in his power through his church. The second thing that we see, uh, a different thing, is that... um, the power of God is really important because it helps us to know him correctly. In Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, and also it's in Mark 12, 24, Jesus is debating the Pharisees, and he says this, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Some of us are in error about how we think about God, and it says this is the primary way you can think about God is you need to know the scriptures. So those of us that know the power of God but we don't understand the scriptures, you're in error too. There's the truth of God, and then there's there's the actions of God. When you live a life that you are grounded in the scriptures, you understand his heart, you understand his mind, you understand your purpose, but you also participate in the power and how he's working in you and around you, that's when you really understand God. Because there's something about reading about God, but I want to encourage you with this. Your greatest experience should not be reading the Bible, it should be living out the Bible. That should be your greatest experience. The Bible just gives you context about how incredible God is, but he's still alive today. And many of our faith, if I'm honest, this is what I see as a pastor, many of our faith, it's set 2,000 years ago, and it's not alive today. And we're like, oh, that was back in the Bible. 
No, 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 the Holy Spirit's still alive. The Bible was the beginning, not the end. So he says, we'll be an heir if we lack scripture or if we understand scripture, but we don't understand the power of God or participate in that. We're not going to know him correctly. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing more humbling, and it should be humbling, than when God uses you to dramatically change another human being. And I want to encourage you this. Read the rest of Acts chapter 3. I'm only giving you a snippet. Remember that the miracles and the power of God draw people to the love of God. Because what did he do after this? And later in Acts chapter 3, what did he do? He healed them, and then he said, because of this healing, you need to what? Repent. He, he drew them to the love of God. So we don't stop at the power of God, but we draw them then to the love of God. We also see that other scriptures talk about that, um, that it's important that we experience God through his power. 2 Timothy 1-7 through says, For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So he gives this to us, and so it is for us to experience, and the power is through different gifts that we have. He'll gift us in different ways to powerfully impact people. Another thing, though, that many times we don't think about is that the power of God is important because it demolishes the work of Satan. It demolishes the work of Satan. I don't have time to fully go into this, but here's the important that we understand is that Satan does not have an age limit of when he starts working, just so you know. It's not like he's like, ah, they're underage. I got to wait till they're 18 and then really get in there. He's a very evil being. He's so consumed by anger and pride and resentment. He even battled Jesus knowing that Jesus is the son of God. And many of us think like we read the Bible, we're like, but don't you know that you're Satan? Like, you've got to know, like, you're an angel, you're a fallen angel. Like, you got to know, but but have you met anyone that's consumed with pride and anger? Do they see reality at all? No. If you've met someone or you're married to someone or, or we are that person at times, you don't see reality when you're consumed by pride and anger. And that's what Satan is. That's why God says, I hate pride. Why? Because it reminds them of Satan. <laughs> but Satan works at a very young age. As soon as a child is born wants to deceive that child, take that child away from trusting in God. There are spiritual battles. He wants to take societies away from God. He wants to take homes away from God. Here's the thing. He wants to take churches away from God. So the power of God is really important that we understand that we participate in that because it demolishes the work of Satan. Satan's at work. And so God uses us to demolish that. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. He's saying, listen, you're in a spiritual battle more than a relational one or a physical one. You're in a spiritual battle. And so my power is going to be used, and I will build my church on, through that power, and uh, Satan will not be able to overcome it. 2 Corinthians 10.4 also says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. What does the world use for weapons? Right? The world, the world uses all kinds of, it can use education, it can use money, it can use power without love, right? 
corruption, all that kind of, that's what the world uses. Let me step on you for me to move up, right? That's the, the world, and, and it looks powerful. Money looks powerful, right? You talk to people, it's money that runs the world. Mm-mm. Says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. This is why prayer is so important. Every day we pray, we have the power through God in faith to demolish the chains that Satan has used to keep people in prison. And so we pray for people disconnected from Jesus. We pray for people that are deceived. We pray for people that are oppressed. We pray for people that it's not just a, well, they grew up in that home. There's a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle in our cities. There's a spiritual battle in our homes. And we as Christians have the responsibility, but we also have the power, the responsibility with the power to break those chains. This is why, you guys, it's so important. I've been saying God has to work in you before he can work through you because some of us, we're still chained. You can't release someone from jail if you're in jail. Thank you. appreciate that. That wasn't even in my notes. So thank you, Carmen. Can't wait to see you in connection group. Ah, it's going to be great. Right? This is why I'm saying we have to be freed first by the blood of Jesus. We have to fully receive his forgiveness and stop walking in shame. We have to fully say, I'm going to repent from sin, that old way of doing things. Because as you're freed, then you're empowered, then you can free others. Oh, we got more? All right. Don't encourage me. I got to wrap up. Now, you guys, I got to wrap it up. This is why the psalmist wrote, Psalm 152, praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. I want to encourage you with this. All miracles and powers of God or power of God that is used, it is not about the miracle. It's about bringing someone to the cross because the cross is the greatest miracle. It's when God came to us, we didn't go to him. And it's when a God who cannot die, died and rose again. That's the greatest miracle. All miracles we do, all prayers we do, anytime if you're going to pray and heal someone, if you're going to do any kind of prophetic word, you're going to tell someone, this is what the Lord laid on my heart and it's for you. And it's anything you do with that, it's not to be impressive. It's not to be dramatic. It's not to be like, here's a show. It's to bring them then to the cross. If it stops there and we don't get them to the cross, we missed it. And I would say that's not even the power of God. Then we might be working in the power of our flesh. The desire of miracles is always to bring someone to the cross. That's why Peter said, this dude's walking, repent. But he's walking. It's not even about him. Repent. And this is why. The greatest miracle is never a physical, emotional, or intellectual one. It's always a spiritual one. The greatest miracle is that your heart is separated from God. And the greatest miracle is for a human being to say, it's through Jesus Christ and not through me. That's the greatest miracle. For someone to pray a prayer saying, I give my life to you. That's the greatest miracle. So anything God does to powerfully work through us, it's to bring people to the cross because that's the greatest miracle is eternal life. This is why we're taking communion as a church right now. Here's what I want to make sure. First of all, is that we're aware God wants to work. He wants to do things this week immeasurably more than you can imagine. So it's not about your job. It's not about your bills. It's not about your health. It's not about whatever your stress, what the world stresses about. It's not about that. God's like, I'd love to use you this week. I'd love for you to participate with me. I'd love for you to get in the, in the Lamborghini. And some of you are like, I don't know. but it's a rush. Some of us don't have that. Everything's intellectual with God. We don't have that rush with God being like, whoa, whoa, this week was 
powerful. We got to get out of our heads. Start using our hands and letting him work through us. But before we can do that, some of us come here today and we're chained by our own guilt and shame or we're chained by our limited view and understanding of God. So I'd love to be inspired this week as the worship team is going to lead us in some worship. As you take communion, don't just recognize the love of God, recognize that, but also remember as you take communion, he resurrected in the power of God. But make sure that you're fully bathed in the love of Jesus, that you are freed from yourself, from your sins, because once you're freed, you can then free others. Hey, in connection groups this week, you guys, it's on your app if you have our church app or I'll be emailing if you're in connection group. You got some big challenges this week. This week, because we've been talking and praying about it, I'm encouraging you guys to try to make contact with someone disconnected from Jesus or church and just pray about beginning to open a conversation about church or God some way, somehow that God would lead you. I understand this is one of our biggest challenges, but I really want to encourage you to trust God. Jump and see him powerfully use you as you ask questions, as you listen about their story, as you share your story. Some of you guys are like, well, what do I say? What do I do? The Holy Spirit will lead you. I'm not going to. The Holy Spirit will. He's God. I'm not. But I want you to take a step of faith and watch him powerfully use you as you begin to maybe text someone, reach out to someone, take him out to coffee. But think about God using you powerfully to reach someone disconnected. So that's part of your challenge. It's going to be a good week. I look forward to connection groups and how God uses us and sharing that. So Jesus, we come before you now. Let me step back here. Go ahead and let you guys get set up. Jesus, we come before you now. And God, I just pray as we worship you that we would make sure that our own hearts and minds are free that we are out of our own prison, that we are free enough and trust you enough to then help unshackle others. God, I pray that our, our faith would not put you in a small box. You're a God that, again, reaches a little girl on a bed reading a letter that a mom wrote to her daughter because you are doing immeasurably more than we can imagine and we want to participate with you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us would Access Church not just be an incredible place of love, but we display your power both here at church and where we're out of these walls. So we worship you now. We praise you for your acts of power and love in our lives and your surpassing greatness. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.